0: It started as any other day. That's a click and that's, in, when, that's we, when we know. Yeah, yeah, I do know that. So it's interesting. So we, yeah, like cause I, was, I told you I was confused whether it was Beverly Hills Supper Club. It's definitely Beverly Hills Supper Club. The only place where you'll see it called Beverly Hills Country Club is on the side of the building on yeah, in big weird. letters. The only the only people calling it the Beverly Hills Country Club are the owners? Are the, <laughs> the people who put Beverly Hills Country Club on the building. Uh, so weird.
1: I can't wait to get to the... uh Conspiracy theory part. Do you know about that? I,
0: I think I know. It was on Wikipedia. Well, we, so. it, Does it have to do with their organized crime? Yeah. Mafia. yeah. Which I did not. So that was very interesting. It, I, one thing I'm starting to find out that I enjoy about doing these things is um, like learning about different regions, like just different places. And apparently northern Kentucky f- from like 30s up to the 70s, up to, up to like the end of the 60s, was uh, there's organized crime it was pretty wide open like there was not a lot of law enforcement going on that like, there, it right. was wild it was apparently like like, like like a wild west in northern kentucky i feel in like, the middle of the 20th century that's crazy
1: i mean was there a lot of bootlegging going on oh, I'm sure. sure
0: and it's the same you ever seen um uh the, the people versus larry flint fuck yeah dude you remember the beginning of that movie uh, where he grew up, like northern, he, he was in northern Kentucky, and I think he initially, and then I think the first big city that he made it in was in Cincinnati. Yeah. I think he's from that region. I think it's the Ohio River Valley, maybe. Ah, I think that's what, that, what that area is called. Okay. I, I think. I could be wrong.
1: Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. We are so happy to have you. There's Matt over there. Hello. Hey, buddy, looking good today. How are you Thank feeling?
0: You. Uh, I'm feeling pretty good.
1: In this new year after an insurrection and everything?
0: yeah i don't want to talk about that shit at all that's about. not um, that kind of podcast but um yeah but, but you are looking I, I did some redecorating in the room uh, what do you oh, think see. what do you think about that
1: i'm loving it it's a gigantic shark the size of the wall it is the a, entire wall
0: it is a huge uh, tapestry of a big uh, great white shark swimming right at you and it's mm. you know like a like a realist not not a cartoon but like a totally real picture It's
1: it's perfect for podcasting.
0: It's awesome. It's scary. (laughs) It it is really actually scary when you look at it.
1: It is. And uh, I am Josh, and you know I'm feeling two things on this fine-ass day. Mm -hmm. Let's hear it. Blazed and blessed as usual. Yes, sir. Speaking of blazed, though. Today's episode is going to be straight fire. Mm,
0: mm, It's going to
1: be lit. You should say. You could say, rather. (laughs) You should say it. Say it. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, So this is uh, the Beverly Hills Supper Club.
0: On May 28th, 1977, one of the deadliest fires in American history occurred when the Beverly Hills Supper Club, located in northern Kentucky, burned to the ground, causing the deaths of 165 people. Located in Southgate, Kentucky, just across the Ohio River from Cincinnati, the Beverly Hills Supper Club was originally built in 1937. Once billed as the showplace of the Midwest, the club, from its inception through the end of the 60s, was operated by, quote-unquote, organized gambling interests as an entertainment venue that also operated illegal casinos in what was a rather lawless time in northern Kentucky. The club's fortunes declined as organized crime was largely busted in northern Kentucky in the late 1960s. In 1970, real estate developer Richard Schilling bought, expanded, and reopened the club as a supper club featuring popular entertainers. Uh, Some of the entertainers that came through the club over the years were Dean Martin, Jerry Lewis, and Milton Berle. So it was a pretty popular spot. And and dude, Dean Martin actually worked there for a time. Did he really?
1: As a blackjack dealer because they um, had a casino there.
0: I think I did come across that. Yeah. yeah, So for up until about 1970 when it was bought by the real estate developer... It was apparently a, a pretty shady place, but it was, it was, um, it was like that, you, you know, that big band era and those glitzy kind of like those venues that of, the, oh, yeah. of like the Frank Sinatra type places. Oh yeah. Um, it seemed like it was one of that but you also had like organized crime going on. You had illegal casinos. You had, yeah, it's just, <laughs> it's just, you have to like that kind of, that age is, is, is bygone era. You don't see that anymore, but you can, you know, you can see it in footage from the time and and, and, and those so concerts it's, and everything. It's, it's an interesting time it's, it's it's
1: weird too because we were just talking before we started that a lot of you were, you were saying a lot
0: of organized crime was around that area which doesn't seem right you don't necessarily when you, when you think of organized crime you're mostly thinking new york new Jer- and new jersey, jersey and you're thinking italian yep. uh, mafia oh yeah or um, irish but you're not thinking necessarily northern kentucky no, it just sounds but like. But Northern Kentucky in the mid 20th century was actually uh, yeah. a pretty pretty wild place, apparently, and yeah. I did not know that.
1: They were bootlegging, and they were
0: mm-hmm.
1: shoot legging. They were hustling. Larry, hustling. Flint.
0: Larry Flint. was hustling. <laughs> yeah, they're doing all that. Um, wow. So it's it pretty wild. Well, all right. But all that uh, they cleaned all that up uh, in the in the 60s. So by 1970, it was uh, owned by a, a real estate developer. Okay. Uh, Between 1970 and 1976, he made uh, several additions to the club, which made it a fire marshal's nightmare. It was essentially a windowless building covering over an acre and a half. Its labyrinthine floor plan featuring multiple large rooms and long, narrow corridors connecting them was a result of a structure built piecemeal and without an overall design to ensure the safety of its occupants.
1: And this thing looks crazy. You should look a picture of it up right now. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. It looks like a labyrinth, a maze, and
0: and oh my goodness, yeah. And there there was a second floor, but it was it was relatively small. So the uh, compared to the first floor, the the main the, it was mainly just the one floor, uh, the one story building, and that's where um that's where the cabaret room, which is is where the the worst of of the tragedy occurred, um was located. One of the key design flaws created by the additions was that exits, which previously led outside the building now led to another room or corridor. This situation can become acutely dangerous when you have a large room with a large capacity that, over time, loses exits to the additions made to the building. With fewer exits, fire safety would require that the capacity in such rooms be reduced despite their having the physical space to hold more. However, club owners are trying to maximize their profits as any other business owner would, and unfortunately, that often leads to safety measures being ignored. That's That's an easy way, as we see over and over and over, like with the Exxon, uh, you know the or the BP oil spill. Oh yeah, or, yeah. I mean, they, you, you eliminate safety measures, which may cost more um, to save money. You know, or you, you ignore things. You want to pack out the room to maximize your pro- profits, yeah. and they were packing those rooms oh, out. Oh yeah. So and that's what night. I mean, that's what the nightclub owners want to do.
1: It's and it's hard to bring people out, but not back then. I guess there's nothing else to do. Well, with it. this but, place,
0: it should be noted it was very popular. They they yeah. didn't have a hard time bringing place uh, people out to this place. It seems like right. it was always popular, okay. even before um, the the change in ownership in 1970. It was a popular place, and they're bringing big okay. names in. Yeah. But it it was just a matter of you know bringing more. They got more. They got the room in terms of the structure. And they're just though, trying to pack it out.
1: In terms of the structure, it's almost like. They had an exit to the outside, right? But then they built another room around that, and essentially that exit door became the door to get into the next room.
0: That would happen. So that's basically what's happening that's is insane. as, and this is always a danger that can be created when you uh, have additions built to a, a building instead of it being originally con- conceived with uh, this kind of stuff in like with what's called life safety. Uh, Which has to do with um, how you design a building to make sure that uh, people are uh, safe in a fire, so that you know for fire prevention and fire safety measures. Okay, Um, and it it has to do with occupancy and that sort of thing, and numbers of exits based on the number of people in there and all that. It's all mathematical and all that stuff. Which I'm not. I'm not a mathematical person, but I do. I do think it's it's interesting to learn about this kind of stuff. But basically, as you're making additions to a building. Exits which did go outside now might go to another room that you added on, or a corridor that you had that leads to another room instead of leading outside. So you're losing the number of exits to the building, but the room hasn't gotten any smaller. That's fucking. So you still, so you wind up with uh, rooms that are largely interior rooms now that are huge. Right. So you have, and so you have, oh my god, thousand. You have, you know, a thousand people in a room that only has two exits going outside or maybe no exits going they, outside. They
1: said the capacity was 600 and there was 1,300 people in the room, right?
0: Correct. Okay, that's... that's <laughs> that, Well, the, the numbers, there's a range of numbers. Okay. Uh, I, the one I kind of stuck with was 1,200, but okay. Um, we'll just, yeah, approximately. Further, the interior was decorated with highly flammable wood paneling and thick carpeting, as well as curtains, tablecloths, and other small combustible materials uh, located in the building. There were no sprinklers, no smoke detectors, and no audible fire alarms. On Saturday, May 28, 1977, the latent deficiencies in the building's overall layout, construction, and operation would be brought to light. That Saturday evening, Memorial Day weekend, there were about 2,600 people in the Beverly Hills Supper Club, over twice its capacity. Wow. The reason for the large number of guests was popular singer and actor John Davidson was performing that evening in the cabaret room. Josh, have you ever heard of John Davidson?
1: No, I looked him up. Um, I know a little bit about him if you want to hear about him. Yeah, let's hear about him. Uh, he is a TV show host, a game show host, and I think he's just popular to Cincinnati, basically. But mm-hmm. singer, so he's a local? Yeah, okay. and an actor. But he, he currently... He's the one, he started the, I do know this. Uh, the Neverland, po- Neverland. Yeah, Finding Neverland yep. on Broadway. So that's mm-hmm. kind of cool. Actually, cool. he plays Wait, Hook.
0: Is that a, is that popular? I have heard of it. I'm that. pretty sure it is because it became yeah. a movie as well. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um I'd never seen either. Yeah. But yeah. And um his show that night was an all inclusive dinner package, which cost a whole thirteen dollars and ninety five cents. Oh, but wow. inflation today, that would be sixty dollars today. So that's
0: that's not bad. That's
1: a dinner, uh, a show and a drink included.
0: You know, but you have to buy one drink.
1: Past that, it's a one drink minimum. Past the package,
0: that's fair. That's fair. I think that's a. I think that's a reasonable deal. I think it's a great deal. And then, um, I would you pay sixty dollars now to see John Davidson?
1: Not John Davidson, but um, if James Brown was still alive, he was scheduled to play there. If it didn't burn down, he was scheduled to play there July eighth through the seventeenth of the same year. So just months later. Very cool. And then, um, like. I think it was B.B. King or somebody was supposed to play the, the month after that. So it was, it was pretty like a hopping.
0: Like you were saying, it was a pretty hopping club. I can't remember who it was, um, but it was somebody. There were about 1,200 people in the cabaret room alone, three times its capacity. Sometime between 845 and 850, employees discovered heavy smoke covering the ceiling of the Zebra Room, a smaller venue in the club that had earlier hosted a wedding reception but was unoccupied by this time. They immediately attempted to put out the fire with extinguishers, but failed utterly, and in fact— by leaving the door to the zebra room open, allowed more oxygen to reach the fire, accelerating its spread. How would you know that? You would never know that if you were going to investigate no, a fire. You would never know. And I'm, and I'm, so I'm kind of poking fun, but it's a natural. You see a fire, you grab fire extinguishers and try to put it out. I mean, but what? That was a mistake. For one, then for one thing, they should have closed the door immediately and not tried to fight the fire. Um, and obviously, they should immediately have called the fire department and gone and alerted guests i think they did and to be fair they did do this all that stuff fairly quickly just not quickly enough okay. and the, the worst thing they did though was leave the door to that room open mm-hmm, okay. um, which allowed oxygen to get to the fire and allowed it to spread very quickly throughout the building hmm. the fire was most likely electrical in origin and would have required a carbon dioxide or dry powder extinguisher I say that completely randomly just because I thought that was interesting. Um, (laughs) The first call to the fire department was made about 15 minutes after the fire was discovered. Minutes later, a little after 9 p.m., firefighters could see the smoke coming from the building upon arrival. As the smoke began to billow out of the zebra room, some patrons in nearby parts of the club, including a relatively small second story above the zebra room, began to notice the smell of smoke. However, there being no adequate alarm system in the building, employees had to go from room to room in this labyrinth, to alert most of the patrons to the fire and urged them to leave. The approximately 1,200 occupants of the cabaret room, located at the opposite end of the building, were the last to be alerted and were fortunate to be alerted at all. This is because when busboy Walter Bailey informed his supervisors about the fire, he was met with incredulity, as no outward indication of a fire had yet reached the cabaret room. Frustrated by their lack of action, Walter walked up on stage, interrupted the performance of John Davidson's opening act, and alerted the crowd to the fire and urged them to evacuate. Unfortunately, like the supervisors, many patrons did not appreciate the severity of the situation and did not take the opportunity to exit. They make a point to say that this guy had crippling stage
1: fright. Yes. Crippling stage fright, so it took everything in him to go up on stage and take the mic from two professional performers. Yes, two comedians. In Teeter, of 13, Teeter
0: and McDonald. 1,300 people who paid to get in Technically, there. I guess it might have been four, since they I think they both had um, ventri- their ventriloquist <laughs> right. and they there had were presidential dummies <laughs> so he had to go take it from oh my from God. four people the yeah. dummies did not like it already. no no um but that's awesome I, that that little uh anecdote in this story it's um I, I mean, think it's that's amazing it's it's amazing because you never have to face that
1: ever if you have stage that's fright it. why would you ever that is
0: such an incredibly specific yeah it's very specific situation where you like, have to oh, face your
1: fear can you imagine that like I have to tell people oh shit I have to get on
0: stage. Yeah. Oh, shit. I have crippling stage fright. Yeah, that's just, a, <laughs> that's incredible.
1: And he did it, man. Walter Bailey, you're a hero, buddy.
0: So the timeline, it, it does vary. Uh, so you're going to have to take that with a grain of salt. But from what I read, so somewhere between, so for, first of all, the, um, the fire had apparently been smoldering for some time before it was discovered. Um, and in fact, there had been a wedding reception in the Zebra Room where the fire uh, originated. Um, that had exited, that that left about eight thirty. In fact, they had left early because uh, the room was too hot, and also some of the patrons that were in that room said they heard kind of a crackling sound. Yeah, I heard um, popping noises. Yeah, popping yeah. sounds which, in the ceiling. Uh, yeah, right? it, yeah, it was coming from the ceiling. There was the the ceiling tiles. And the the material in and around the ceiling, around the wiring, was highly combustible. So the uh, fire was smoldering for some time before it was discovered. Uh, And so that's when it was discovered. There's some variation. I saw anywhere between 845 to 856, uh, the fire, an employee smelled smoke coming from that room, opened the door, and saw the ceiling was covered in in smoke. And so... and I feel like fire.
1: I feel like I saw that the fire department was there within the fire five minutes. But the fire department,
0: everything I've read was there. No more. It took them no more than five minutes yeah, to get there. They, they were, were there extremely fast. quick. Yeah. So from what I understand, it was not long after 9 p.m. Uh, that the fire department arrived. Another issue um, that I wanted to point out that that made the situation where it's like every every possible bad thing that could happen, and I hate to use the cliche of a perfect storm but it really, everything, I mean, the, every bad thing. There was a one, ro- one road leading up to the building, and it was packed with patrons' vehicles. Oh, so the fire, uh, the fire trucks had a difficulty reaching the building, and so they had to get longer hoses just to get out, just to get the hoses to the buildings because it, it did not have an adequate, so at every level, the fire safety of this whole property was abysmal.
1: And take a look at pictures of the insides. You have the cabaret room,
0: and I had to look up cabaret because I kept
1: getting it confused with burlesque. Two different things. Correct. So, uh, in the cabaret room, the tables are so tight that if you back your chair up, you will hit another chair. So imagine, and then I mean, six hundred capacity, but then it's twice that.
0: Yes, I mean it's it's and absolutely you, packed I out. Mean, you can't move. Uh, the aisles are there's there's chairs out in the aisles. It's it's, it's even hard to walk down the aisles. Um, Oh, my God. And there's chairs on the ramps. The tables are packed too close together. Waitresses – I mean, this – and people reported this after the fire, but this is something they said was a routine of occurrence in this uh, club. The waitresses couldn't reach certain de- uh, patrons because they are just too packed behind tables and people and chairs. They couldn't even reach them. That's right. It's um, a, that's how like packed like it was in these places. You know, that's, that's fucking insane. baseball game, like peanuts. Pass yeah. it down. You yeah. pass down my money. That's in a. The, that's in a restaurant. Peanuts. And and the and imagine now. Also, the walls are covered in draperies, covered yeah, in like curtains and stuff. Highly Thick carpet, wood paneling. All this stuff is highly combustible. Will accelerate a fire. Will burn up very quickly. Too many people. You got anywhere between 1,200, 1,300 people. Uh, in this room, that shouldn't have more than six hundred. You've only got uh, when the fire hits the room. You've only got two viable exits to the room. Um. So yes, that's like said, that's the situation. It's a
1: perfect storm, firestorm. I can't believe only one hundred sixty-five people died.
0: That's that's the
1: interesting thing yeah. to me is that because um, it destroyed the fucking complex. I mean that. Hit, <laughs> I mean it was. Finish, dude. Yeah, well, Pictures I mean,
0: you think, and it's, it's weird because, like, you twelve hundred people or yeah. thirteen hundred, whatever it was. We'll, we'll say twelve hundred just as an approximation. In one in this big theater, Yeah. Um, if only one hundred sixty-five people die, that's actually not as bad as yeah. as, as you it's, think. And you know, the Coconut Grove fire, which is the worst nightclub fire uh, in American history, which we'll we'll cover at some point. I think it was four hundred ninety-one people died incredible yeah that's crazy um but it it was still terrible so people were uh you know after the room was plunged into darkness the the smoke and the flames are coming into the room there's only two exits to get out uh that you know were not leading into where the fire was coming from Uh, and people as as witnesses later described they were stacked up like cordwood uh in the in the Two doorways. Uh, they were just packed so tight. Not all of them were even dead. Some of them were still alive, but they were just completely oh, helpless God. and packed in there. Um, firefighters were trying to pull them out. Um, but they're so packed and pa- tightly packed in there. They couldn't do it. That's my worst nightmare being, being squeezed. If you don't, yeah. if you remember in the nutty putty
1: episode, I said that too, And I don't, I don't like being in tight spaces. No, at
0: all. What, what do you think would be worse? Uh, being crushed would be the absolute in a, in a mass of people. Yes. That'd be so bad. Or, or being or Or being or, like but in a doorway upside, and then but being upside being down. Stuck a, upside down yeah. in a cave. Well you decided well, to do that. But at least you that with, sucks. At least at least I don't this is gonna sound weird, but at least if you die in a crush of people, you died with people. You know what I you mean? Didn't die alone.
1: That is that's a good point.
0: But I feel like dying in that cave alone that's something worse about that I think. I get I think you actually know And and being upside down and knowing the people it, were eating if pizza. If he wasn't upside down, I might prefer that just to have some privacy while I die. Yeah. Um cuz it's, it's a crowd death, you know. You got to be you got to be like a roman, you know. You got to be really comfortable around other people if you're going to die in a in a crowd. Um but that's you know, but there's nothing wrong with that. And and if you if you put me in that cave and you put me upside down, then I'm I'm saying Put me in the, the crowd. I'll you remember the, the episode?
1: You're upside down. You're smelling pizza. People are eating pizza. But that
0: that smell didn't get all the way down there. Yeah. He got to talk to his wife too. I agree.
1: Um, so it's that's on a different episode. Anyways, it's
0: it's, it's hard to say. It's hard I had to, to look say. up Cordwood. But you know. <laughs> You know, okay, so it's it's like firewood, uh, yeah, but it's, yeah, yeah. You know, I had to look it up and see, like, what does that mean? Stacked like court, oh, okay, all right. And then you, when you look at it and you think of what he's saying, it's like, oh, yeah, God. and then yeah, you're like, it's oh, hor- shit. it's horrifying, yeah, it's, hard- know, it's just people stacked up like logs, basically. Yep, uh, that's where most of the uh, they're body- burning like logs, too. Oh, Jesus, uh, uh, uh <laughs> roasted them, whoa, no, hold no, on, I'm right. on fire, what, no. hold on, oh, God, you're. Rapid, rapid fire over here. Comedy, or, comedy corner, baby. Comedy you, corner. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Um, God damn. <laughs> we might not be able to go to Cincinnati now. Fuck you. No, You man, ruined we're my going plans, to dude. Bro. You got to play- see where Airborne dude, was made. It's all right. We we should mention this event. So while most people in the country, I I presuming don't really know about this event, I'd never heard of this until no, relatively recently. Yeah. I think if you ask most in people, our certainly research. our age, uh, they wouldn't they wouldn't have heard of it. But in Cincinnati, that's not the case. It's very very much remembered, uh, even forty years later. Um, so it was Airborne Baby? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Cincinnati, we love you. No, I, I want to go to Cincinnati. So yeah. stop stop talking shit. I'm not talking <laughs> shit about nat- the natty baby. As one witness said, finally I saw the door open as i came out as i came out i turned to look at the people they weren't screaming anymore the smoke had covered them all up indeed most of the people had died from smoke inhalation and acute carbon monoxide poisoning God, man and it didn't take long for that to happen smoke monster I mean, like just, lost, just basically just turned into a giant gas chamber uh very quickly damn john davidson uh, had to go through because uh what was his manager i think his manager, yep, I had that. Um, he yep. died in the fire and he had to identify his body. Yeah, they
1: had to shift morgues all around. Yeah. And uh, they had
0: teenager local teenagers were moving, helping the, to trans, to move the bodies into these uh, big auditoriums, basically, where the people would go in and identify their loved ones.
1: Yeah, so the comedy team of um, Teeter, and, Teeter McDonald and McDonald were on the stage when this is happening. Yes. Uh, they used, they, were the, they were
0: the opening act. They were using a Jimmy
1: Carter um, ventriloquist dummy because that's who the president was at the time. And uh, So
0: they're doing political comedy.
1: And so they all got out, and they got all their dummies out. They made sure all their dummies were out. And Davidson was later saying that he, when he walked outside, he saw the ventriloquist dummies laying in the grass amongst real bodies yeah. and that their souls were jumping into the dummies, and he didn't know what the fuck to do. So that was a quote from John Davidson. <laughs> <laughs> that was not a quote. Yeah. It was not a quote. Right. That, that, okay. that did not yeah. happen. That did not happen. <laughs> Some, okay. But.
0: Canceling my plans To go to Cincinnati <laughs> Motherfucker <laughs> We love John Davidson He made Finding but no, he, No so that was real though uh, He did He did mention like He saw these dummies Laying out uh, Next to actual bodies That were being laid out On the On the ground Outside the building Which is just A darkly comic Scene It's just horrible mm. um, But yeah yeah. No that, souls that, are jumping out that, no, But the souls But he did not say that I do want to talk about The The uh, the main reasons, you know, wh- why, all the contributing factors that made this uh, uh, the tragedy, the disaster that it was. You see, you spat them off rapid fire. Delayed alarms, no emergency plan, <laughs> no fire protection, for example, sprinklers, no fire drills, unsuitable interior finish, lack of exits, overcrowding, blocked exits, and also inaudible fire alarm. When was the stop dropping? Also, uh faulty electrical wiring what dang i said <clears throat>
1: when was the stop drop and roll campaign
0: i don't know i think all right i, I know we learned about that in the early 90s well I didn't have it yet <laughs> i don't think that would have helped them though um the problem wasn't that they were on fire so much that they uh were mm-hmm. breathing smoke man dude and could not get out
1: i i i kid but that's horrifying to think about if you're in the center of that room over capacity yes like i said chairs touching each other back to back and then just stuffed in the aisles uh, at some moment you're thinking to yourself i'm not going to make it out of this room but then you you kind of did though right i mean i mean most of the people got out but yeah if you're if you're one of the 165 people who did die like you went there to see you know a show and some supper and a drink and you
0: end up just in a maze,
1: like imagine yourself it, it, in a corn maze and, and somebody just sets it yes. on fire. Some
0: of the people died. Some of the people got out of the cabaret room, but not out of the building and got lost in the yeah, labyrinth of the building and died. Two and people actually. Yeah, they were found outside because they got they lost. They got out yeah. of the. They, they were, were somewhere get else. out of the building because yeah. it was it was a. Total it's literally maze. a maze. <laughs> it, it's, it's just crazy. It's um, like the
1: H H Holmes house, <laughs> death so, house. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, so when you 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 know when you're out there wanting to add on to your house and whatnot, and you got to deal with all the city code bullshit, just know that it's it's because shit like this happened that they we have these codes and have these rules. So just be safe, you know. Just build according to code. Might cost a little more, but you don't yeah. want to have this kind of these and kind you of won't be horrible. You know, I mean they, they just. They broke every rule, and they didn't have to. Yeah, and you won't have this on your um, conscience, and you won't. You'll have a. Oh my God! So Man, it's yeah, just crazy. So, That's so nuts. As the the in all the lawsuits, obviously that, that would come after, uh, the plaintiffs uh, were awarded some of fifty five point four million uh, in total. And I do want to. I, I want to read this quote that just to kind of um, illustrate what was going on uh, in the building that night. There were no ports of the exit doors being locked. However, Bruce Rath, a Fort Thomas firefighter, was quoted as saying, when I got to the inside doors, which is about 30 feet inside the building, I saw these big double doors, and people were stacked like cordwood. They were clear up to the top. They just kept diving out on each other, trying to get out. Hmm. I looked back over the pile, and it wasn't dead people. Hmm. They were dead and alive in that pile, and I went in and just started to grab them two at the time and pull them off the stack and drag them out.
1: Oh man! Some people think it was a possible mafia job.
0: I I didn't know that specifically, but that doesn't surprise me. Just given the it was uh, history of that such uh, right establishment.
1: right, it's such like a um a thing that this happened in what 1977. Yes. So in 2008, the governor of Kentucky was like, "Let's do it." They put a team together. They went to look for evidence. They couldn't find any evidence, or not enough evidence was found to. Make a case, but it was said enough times and believed enough that it was something was done about it in 2008. And this event occurred in you know 1977. So, right, I mean, they must have known something. Somebody knows something, I guess. So, did
0: anything come of the investigation? Or? No, they they said that no. Is that what they they
1: launched an investigation? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, they launched an investi- They launched one, and then they uh, no found nothing. Yeah, unfounded. So unfounded.
0: Uh, it was complete lack of safety standards and protocols, yeah. and and that it it may have been something where it that kind of culture bled over in the establishment. I don't know how many of the staff or management, you know, would have remained when the ownership changed in nineteen seventy. Yeah, but clearly they didn't have much regard for uh, fire code before then, and they. Didn't seem to have any after that. Did you? It, well, the, if anything, the the respect for fire safety went down after the change in management. Well, in the 1970s, hit- when all the additions began, and that's what actually created a lot of the problems. Not to say that there weren't any before then, because um, I'm sure they still had the lush carpeting and, and drapery and all that stuff. But they blocked off a lot of exits when they created the additions um, to the building. Um, and that's what caused a lot of the—that's that, what created that— maze-like um, floor plan.
1: Yeah, I believe um, the week before a fire inspector came and inspected, and then yeah. he actually added a door for the performers for to an exit to the outside. And yes. that's the only reason, basically, why the performers-
0: Why John Davidson right, is alive. But um,
1: in, in the wake of that, three fire inspectors were
0: suspended. By 1130, all firefighters were ordered to evacuate the building, which was now an inferno. At midnight, the roof collapsed on what remained of the structure. Today, nothing remains of the Beverly Hills Supper Club. A plaque at the site commemorates the 165 lives lost in the tragedy.
1: Did not they lose all the supper, too?
0: Yes. (laughs) What a tragedy, bro. It's just, uh, that's that's a bad one. That is a bad one.
1: So this has been uh, the Beverly Hills Supper Club, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Good night. remember to stay safe out good. there and i guess
0: well, you might be listening to it whenever so yeah. yeah good morning good morning <laughs> good uh, god bless you but good night thanks for Here's a kiss for you
1: uh just remember to stay safe out there and be careful not to find yourself in your own macaw reality